John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltecka. And this is the High Gain Podcast, John Kiltecka. Oh man, the High Gain Podcast. Dig it. Yeah, yeah. What do we talk about, John? Oh, we talk about guitars, old man ailments. Sure, sure. And where are we recording from, John? We are recording from lovely, lovely West Seattle, Washington. Beautiful West Seattle. Beautiful, lovely, beautiful West Seattle. I think people like these little recaps at the beginning of each one, just in case it changes, you know? Just in case they forget or something changes. Yeah. So uh, we talk about guitars. We do. Yeah. Anything else? Whatever comes to mind, Ed. (laughs) Okay. Good. Open book. Good. Hey, John. (laughs) Yes. Play me a song. Oh. What? I thought you'd never ask. I prepared you a little something here. Okay. I'm ready. I can't fight this feeling anymore I've forgotten what I started fighting for It's time to bring this ship into the shore And throw away the oars forever I like that ending. Really ripped it at the end there. Beverages. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm dealing with some pedals this week, Ed, that have the buttons that are close together, and I got the big feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a pog, right? Pog two? Uh, a pog and something new for you. I pulled the pog, but that was it. The Chase Bliss Brothers Dual Overdrive Pedal. How much do we love those guys? Oh, man. Joel and the guys up there in Minnesota. Love it. Yep, yep. The variety of tones you can get out of that pedal is crazy. It is crazy. But I got to know, Ed, what are you drinking? I'm having a frosty blue cream soda. Is that an orca beverage? Hell yeah. (sighs) 
hell yeah, it's an Orca beverage. Drink this shit. Produced under the authority of Interstate Distributing out of Detroit, Michigan. Oh, Detroit. Doing some Detroit beverages. I love it when they do those collabs. You know the soda collabs? Yeah, are you saying that Orca's in bed with the Detroit boys? Oh yeah, that's what it looks like. Who doesn't like Detroit? Bringing American manufacturing back to America. That's crazy. Speaking of America. What are they doing? I've got an Americana. Oh, that's great. That's an Orca. It is an Orca. Man. This flavor is black cherry. We've had dozens of Orca beverages at this point, right? Yes. This Frosty is delicious. What does it taste like? It kind of tastes like the blue syrup that they put on um, <laughs> Icy's, you know? Blue flavor. Yeah. If you had to equate it to a fruit or something, you would say bubblegum. Bubblegum fruit. Yeah. Carbonated water, pure cane sugar, baby. And some blue. Throw it in my mouth. Put it in your mouth. Love it. Guess where we're going today, Ed? Uh, Chicago. Yes. Pretty much on any given week, if you ask me that question and I say Chicago, I've got like a one in four chance of it being Chicago. Yes, viewers will remember that Chicago historically was one of the massive industrial musical instrument complexes in the world. It was some crazy number at their height, an obscene number of guitars. Yeah, it was like more instruments than all of the other manufacturers in America combined or something nutty like that. Yep. So the Chicago Boys, we've talked about a lot of them. K, Harmony, Valco. Uh, we got a new one today, Ed. Okay. We all know about Airline, right? Do I think of Jack White when I think of Airline? You might. That would be the guy, right? That would be who I would think of. That would be one of them, Yeah. Okay, who else would I think of? You might think of J.B. Hutto. Remember him from the 40s and 50s? You might think of the Black Keys. Yep, yep, yep. What we have here today is a little bit of an oddity for a couple of reasons. It was only made for one year, and it was only made for Montgomery Ward. Oh. What color is it? This is a kind of red burst. I should probably just take a picture for you, Ed. Take a picture and send it to me. Huh. No kidding. I think airline and I think clamshell plasticky bolted together body thing. That's not this. This is a double bound single cutaway type guitar. Three on a side tuners, two foil pickups. Yeah. And four controls. And now here's the weird part, Ed. I don't entirely know what the controls do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm looking at this picture. So there's like a pickup selector dial-y thing. There's a rotary switch that is, let's see, one, two, three, four. Four-way rotary switch and four knobs. Volume tone, one for each one. Volume. If I go all the way down to the bottom, that appears to be the case. Hey! 
If you just sent me a picture of the body, I could totally picture this being a Harmony. Yeah, well, it was made by, among other people, Harmony. Oh, it was. That's the weird part about it. It was only made for one year. Okay. It was made for the Montgomery Ward catalog only. Okay. As opposed to for Sears and everybody else. Yeah. And Harmony never made one for themselves. So you will not see one of these that says Harmony on it because they didn't do it. Weird. Maybe Montgomery Ward said, here's what we want you to make, and we want to be the only ones that have it. Cool. Good for them. But it does look like a Harmony to me. Oh, yeah, totally. I could easily see Harmony on the headstock. The binding and the inlays are kind of fancy. They do seem a little fancy. That is true. Let me tell you what else I like. The kind of butterfly effect of the pick guard where it's mirrored that is totally cool looks like butterfly wings this has a lot to recommend it i kind of like it yeah how does it all start ed how did this happen is it a solid body it's not is it no it's a i'm gonna say semi-hollow it's completely enclosed there are no f-holes or anything right i like that there was a guy okay his name actually was montgomery ward oh Okay. His first name was Aaron. Aaron Montgomery Ward. What? What's he up to? Oh, man. He's a... Uh... Not much. Aaron. <laughs> 1843 Oof. to 1913. Yeah, he had a run. All right. Our man Monty? Yeah. Born in New Jersey, Ed. A Jersey guy. 1843 in New Jersey. I wonder what that looked like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was pleasant. <laughs> hey, factory by the river. Just dump all your shit into the river. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I imagine you just say 1840s anywhere in the U.S., and it's just not a lot of good stuff is going on. In retrospect, everything's fine. These days, super polished. Come on. High sheen. <laughs> yeah. It's buffed out, ready to go. Yep. Kind of like me, John. Super shredded. Tread Peterson. Yeah. In 1872, Monty. Yeah. He founds Montgomery Ward in Chicago. 1872, born in 43. Yeah. 29 years old. 39. Uh, what year was he born? 1843. 43. And what year did he found it? 72. 53, 63. 73. Yeah, he was 29. Yeah. Good for him. Here's what he was thinking. The people in the rural areas of the country, mm -hmm. they can't get stuff. Yeah. You go to the country store and you get whatever the country store carries and you pay whatever the country store charges because they're the only thing for a million miles. You fucking be glad you got it. That's right. You sucks. So he decides, I'll make a catalog. Mm -hmm. And then people can buy all kinds of shit, cut out the middleman. Send it to them. Yes. It's like Amazon. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. Amazon and Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks? Yeah. Like, can you just get a coffee and they'll bring it to you in, in your house? Like a catalog? Do they have catalogs <laughs> of coffee? No, the, the business <laughs> model <laughs> of like, you know, pushing out the little guy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, fucking the little guy, that business model. Yeah. They love it when you do that. 1872, Americans took to burning the catalogs. Oh, cool. Fuck Monty. Yes. He's fucking with Jebediah down the street there. We don't want that. Burn that catalog. No kidding. But then, here's when they go all Amazon on it. Okay. They just grow and grow the catalog mm -hmm. until they've got tens of thousands of items. 
Yeah. Now Jebediah is like, well, shit, I don't carry a fraction of that. Right. Race to the bottom. Early day capitalist pig. <laughs> Monty. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The only thing good is he got out of here before the guillotines came. Life before the guillotines. Oh, my God. You think they sold all those snake oil things? Like, oh, I'm going to buy some uh, turpentine for my cough from the Ward catalog. Almost certainly. I ran out of creosote from my sore throat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The model is so successful that in 1896, here comes that bastard, old Richard Warren Sears. Mm. Also in Chicago. He's got competition. Yeah. And they go back and forth for most of the 20th century. Okay. They're both sending catalogs to people's houses. These catalogs weighed four pounds. Remember those big, thick-ass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by 1900, Ward is mailing out three million of them a year. Sure. So I did a little quick math, Ed. That is 12 million pounds. (laughs) That's the quick math you did four times three. It was hard. But you added zeros, so that makes it more difficult. Yeah, 6,000 tons. Oh, and then you divided that by two. I just Googled that one. (laughs) 6,000 tons of catalogs a year is half an Eiffel Tower. Oh. Yeah. Half an Eiffel Tower. Every two years. They sent out an Eiffel Tower's worth of catalogs. Worth of paper. Paper. You know the whole deal with the Chicago World's Fair in retaliation for the Paris World Fair where they had the Eiffel Tower? The world's first Ferris wheel? Yes, exactly. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, the dude that was murdering people in the hotel. And the murder house. Murder house. Two really cool things they had in Chicago at that time. Yeah. In 1908? Yeah. Wards are so big, they open up a 1.25 million square foot headquarters that is a quarter of a mile long in Chicago. No shit. It was called the Montgomery Ward and Company Catalog House. It was her headquarters until 1974, and I guess it's so massive yeah, and so kind of imposing, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 2000. Just because it's so fucking big. I guess that thing is pretty big. A quarter of a mile long? Yes. That's fucking crazy. I don't know how tall that would be to make 1.25 million square feet. Somebody could do that math. Not me. Isn't the Pentagon one of the biggest office buildings? You should Google uh, Pentagon square footage or something. I'm doing it, John. Holy fucking shit. The Pentagon? Mm-hmm. 6.5 million square feet. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bigger. Holy shit. It goes down to the center of the earth. So, fucking Montgomery Ward, that little rinky-dink bullshit... They get to be on the National Register of Places for bullshit square footage. Yeah, there you go. The fun would not last long, Ed. <laughs> okay. 1913, our man Monty dies. We already uh, talked about that. Pour an orca beverage out for our guy Monty. And then in short order, mm-hmm. here comes the Great Depression. Oh, sure. And right about that time, they decline an m- offer of merger from Sears. Maybe Sears was like, oh shit, the depression, why don't we combine forces and we can survive? Mm-hmm. Montgomery Ward says, fuck you. <laughs> hey, how about you eat dicks? I got an idea, Sears. How about that? So they start hemorrhaging money during the depression. Sure. Fortunately, one of their major investors mm-hmm. is a real swell dude, J.P. Morgan. 
I've heard good things. I've heard very good things <sighs> about this guy. Swell guy. Mm-hmm. They go to him and they're like, hey, J.P. Morgan, what would you do to get us through this? Yeah. So he hires Sewell Avery. Sewell. S-E-W-E-L-L. That's some old school shit. Made his riches in gypsum or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking gypsum money. Our man Sewell, I guess he's taking orders from J.P. Morgan, so he cuts staff levels. He closes stores. He changes up a bunch of lines. He stops hiring upper managers and starts hiring more store managers. And by the end of the 1930s, the company is profitable again. Sure, yeah, we just cut the fat. Yeah. Maybe lay some people off, maybe cut wages, maybe say, fuck your pension. Exactly. I love these guys. They are so stoked that in 1939, yes, they get a staff employee. This guy is a copywriter. His name's Robert L. May. Okay. And they're like, all right, Bobby May. Bobby May, yeah. We want an extra special Christmas promotional campaign. We want people to know we're back. We've got the spirit this Christmas. What do you got? Mm-hmm. And so he creates a little character, a little cartoon character, and he writes a little kind of illustrated poem to go with it to give out to people. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, that's a good one. That's a Montgomery Ward's jammer. It is. Let's see what this thing could do, Ed. I talked about uh, briefly the dirt we have here, the Chase Bliss. Uh, Yeah. It's got a lot of functionality that I am not going to go into because it's very complex. (laughs) But the gist of it is this, viewers. You got two channels of overdrive that have three characters on a switch. You got overdrive, you got fuzz, and you got distortion. So you can set the volume and tone on each of those channels, A and B, and then you can play A or B or both series or parallel, and in the middle, there's a master volume. I have set channel one to more of an overdrive. And I have set channel B to fuzzulate. If I turn them both on. And that's not even the half of it. That could be one of the last dirt pedals a person would ever need, if not the only. Yeah, totally. If I go full-on bridgey, let's see how bridgey this bridge gets. Yeah, that's pretty bridgular. Sure. Let's go all the way up neckage. Sitting on the porch... You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hit me with the jazz chord. Oh, that's fantastic, John. The people love that when you do that. This has got nothing on it, and these foil pickups have that kind of growl you'd expect. Hey, you know what happens next? I don't know. People love them. They make that Rudolph. People must just go crazy. I don't know, because here comes World War II. (laughs) There's a nationwide strike by Ward's 12,000 workers. Oh. Maybe they're still pissed about that whole Depression belt tightening. I don't picture World War II and striking as really being a thing. It was not. Yeah. And this became a problem. So our man FDR... 
Yeah. He dials up Sewell Avery. Sure. Hey, you know, World War II, I'm going to need you to kind of settle that strike because, you know, it's fucking wartime, dude. You're fucking harshing our shit over here. So Sewell, what does he do? Oh, he probably sends in dudes with hammers to talk some sense into these dudes. No. He tries to tell FDR to eat a dick. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. The balls on this guy. He refused to comply. Oh. And that was a war labor board order. You are hereby ordered to recognize unions and their collective bargaining agreements. Sewell says, fuck you. Oh my God. So what's our man FDR do? He cites the War Labor Disputes Act as well as his own unique power as the commander in chief. And he issues an executive order seizing all of Montgomery Ward's property nationwide. How about that? Holy shit. How do I not know about this? Your company belongs to me now. Fuck yeah. FDR, baby. Yeah. Frank. Frank. Get him, Frank. Old Frankie? Greatest generation shit. Frankie D? Get him. Eventually the war ends. He gives the company back. And then in 58. Yeah. That's when Montgomery Ward decides, why don't we start selling some guitars? Sure using our own in-house airline brand name. So they didn't sell any airline guitars till 58. Huh. I did not know that. So what do you think of it? Does it have that like big baseball bat neck? It does not. The neck is uh, like a C-shape, like a Fender C. Standard, yeah. Yeah, not super skinny. I like this. I like it quite a bit. Yeah. So who's making the airlines starting in 1958? We mentioned Harmony, but they weren't picky. They hired Kay to make them. They hired Valco to make them. But mostly they were all in, in Chicago, all the Chicago boys. Old Monty spread the love around. Hey, everybody, make me guitars. The one thing we don't know is which one of those made the example I hold. The 1963 Airline 7215 this is. It's part of the Stratotone series. That guitar was potentially made by Harmony or K? It's possible, yeah. Maybe somebody else knows, but I don't know of any way to tell. It just seems crazy to me that two manufacturers would make an identical guitar. You know, K and Harmony. I could see them being close, but identical is weird. I don't think that's too weird. I guess I just mean like if you lined up 10 of that guitar, you wouldn't be able to spot differences between manufacturers. It just seems crazy that they have all of the exact same milling, and, you know, like. I think that was the exact idea. That's why the Chicago boys in some total could bang out so much stuff. They were all getting their pickups from DeArm and they were probably all getting their tuning machines from joe and they're all using the same parts yeah i guess that's true yeah yeah if any viewer knows of a way to tell who was the subcontractor that made the guitar man we'd love to know i think in my brain when we've talked about these in the past i just pictured that any given model was made by one of those companies i didn't realize multiple companies would make the same model it is kind of weird yeah Made for a year. Do you know anyone that played this thing? I don't. It's considered rare, probably because it is. I mean, only made for a year and only made for Montgomery Ward. Yeah. By 68, Montgomery Ward ceases airline guitar sales altogether. So they only made airline guitars for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. 
I do like a lot of the airline models. And when you said, oh, it's an airline, what you sent me the picture of is not what I picture when I picture an airline. You thought it was going to be one of the Rezoglass ones? or Yeah, yeah, totally. I like this one. Yeah? By now you've seen the pictures of this on the Instagram and such. If you want to see somebody that's doing really great takes on these old style Chicago boy guitars, check out Hewn Guitars, H-E-W-N. He does some really great stuff out of Minneapolis. wonder what he's up to. I wonder what he's up to. <laughs> Just doing cool shit, I bet. Yeah. We should get one of those. Yeah. Okay. By the early 2000s, Ed? Yeah. Eastwood acquires the rights to the airline name. We've done lots of guitars at this point. Yes. And we've done a bunch of these kind of Harmony K. You know, where does this one sit in your list of those guitars? I think I liked the original Harmony Silhouette. And that was a unique situation because we borrowed that from Uncle Frank over at ThunderRoadGuitars.com. And at the time, he had two of them identical. One of them I did not like the least bit, but the one we ended up doing the episode on was amazing. So that could be your caveat, everybody, if you're looking for something from the Chicago Boys. Maybe play more than one. Yeah, totally. And you'll know it when you've got one that acts the way you need it to. Right. So what about this one? This one does. It's a bolt-on neck, floating bridge. It's great. I might change the tuning machines just to keep that more stable, but this is great. It's got a raw kind of sound to it. All right. Pretty good. You did a really good job, John. Oh, you did a really good job, Ed. Oh, thank you. Where should the people go to find out more about this and other sundry topics? Oh, patreon.com slash the high gain. What about that when I just throw that one out early? Well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to say www.thehighgain.com. What do you think of that? You know what I was doing just now? What? I was on www.thehighgain.com. Yes. Scrolling through all the guitars we've done. That's a lot of guitars. I would never go to that page to listen to the podcast, you know, like you just use a podcast app. But the page is actually cool because it's like that grid of all the guitars. Yeah. It looks cool to scroll through them. And you get additional show notes and things if you click through to the individual episodes. Picture of the frosty beverages. That's right. Pedal pictures, maybe pictures of cats. Maybe. And then you can head over to Instagram and the Facebook. If you're interacting with us on Instagram, it's like 50-50. Maybe you're talking to John, maybe you're talking to Ed. You head over to Twitter, virtually 100% chance that's Ed. You head over to Pinterest, <laughs> that's firmly John territory. I'm a pinning fool, shredding the boards. Killing it on that Pinterest game. I love it. Yeah. Another successful episode, Ed. Oh, my God. We did really good. Really, really good. Bye, Ed. Bye, John. <laughs>